Hi, Scott Walker here, and you can't recall courage. Thanks for joining us. This week, a special edition of our podcast. We're out near Santa Barbara, California. Today, we were up at the Reagan Ranch, and uh, what an incredible opportunity. When when I think of the ranch, I've been there many times. It's great to be back again. Uh, I think of two things, freedom and frugality. Both define our 40th president. Obviously, any of you who've listened or read any of my writings know what a fan I am of President Ronald Reagan. But going to the ranch, even more so than the Library Museum, which is impressive in its own right, the the Air Force One, the documents, all the other things, as Reagan's former Attorney General Ed Meese said, you go to the you go to the Library and Museum to understand the administration. You you go to the ranch to understand the man. And to me, if you want to understand the person who was Ronald Reagan, you go to the ranch and you see the freedom and frugality. On one side, you, you see freedom, just the wide open expanse. I mean, this was a ranch that spanned nearly 700 acres. Uh, this was a ranch where from the time he first set eyes on it early in the 1970s, while in the uh, latter stages of his second term as governor of California, Throughout his time as a former governor leading up to the election of 1980 when he became our 40th president, and then in the years that followed his eight years as our, our nation's leader, Ronald Reagan's focus was on the ranch. In fact, he, he said, I paraphrase, if it's not heaven, it's certainly in the zip code, in the same zip code. And, and Reagan loved it, but I, I think it really personified particularly the freedom. He, the wide open ex- expanse, you, you see the logo uh, for the ranch was one that had arrows pointing one in one direction towards the beauty of the valley. And Tanette and I took some pictures today, as we have many times in the past, overlooking the, the beautiful landscape of the, the valley. And then on the other side, you, you can see the beautiful views of, uh, of the ocean. And, and thinking of how he would go out, even during his times as president, which, by the way, he spent about one out of every eight days cumulatively, um, so about an eighth of his his time as president of the United States at what his staff deemed the Western White House. That's how passionately he felt about it. It was his, his place to to get away from it all. And, and sure, he took work with him. There are spots you can see inside the ranch house, but it was really out in the open where he really was inspired. I think the vastness of the the potential, just looking out and seeing the untapped potential as so many before us had and generations before as they made their way across these great United States and seeing and having this eternal optimism in the American people, believing in the American people, believing that anything was possible. That's why he loved to get out there and work the ranch himself, to clear the brush, to clear the trails, to go out typically twice a day, once in the morning with Nancy and once alone in the afternoon along with this detail, to go out and, and find and explore new things and imagine new possibilities. I think that's why I so admired him. It wasn't, you know, when I think of the influence Ronald Reagan had on me, it wasn't just helping to shape me as a Republican or conservative. Certainly he had an unbelievable influence in that regard. But it was his optimism, more than anything, that rubbed out his his eternal belief in the American people, his aspirational view of you know America being this great shining city on the hill. And that's what you see at the ranch. You can fully understand and comprehend where he's coming from. In fact, I think when he was preparing to run for president after his time as governor, there were some that asked when he brought some of the media up to see the ranch why, if he enjoyed it so much, why he wanted to get away from it. He said, well, 
he was fighting for precisely the things he, he felt at the ranch. And after eight years of being focused on trying to broaden the possibility of, of achievement of freedom and opportunity for every citizen in this country, he wanted to return to that same sense of freedom at the ranch itself. At the same time, though, you think of frugality. You know, here the ranch is big, 688-acre ranch, uh, on the top of this great view from the valley to the ocean on either side. And then you go to the ranch house. The ranch house itself is uh, about just over 1,300 square feet. It's very modest. In fact, I was struck the first time I went back in 2011 looking at all the rooms, but particularly the bedroom, where you can see two twin beds that were the basically the only things left uh, in the uh, in the ranch home itself. And you can actually see where the, the president, remember, not only a Midwesterner, but a, a child who grew up in the Great Depression, uh, being frugal, the frugality of this president, not wanting to waste anything. And so he took the two metal bed frames, tied them together with the same ties he used for fence posts, laid a queen-sized mattress over the top. And still, he was he was tall enough that his feet held out, hung over the end of the bed. And so there's a wooden bench on the side of the bed where President Reagan laid. That's where his feet would sit. The beauty of it is it's still there today. It's, you know, back in the late 1990s when Alzheimer's was really having this harsh impact, as it does on far too many families across this country and around the world, it was a bit overwhelming, and they needed to make sure he had proper care. And so Mrs. Reagan was looking to sell the ranch because it really they were not capable of the upkeep and, and even just going there. And, and so it was at a time they were looking at a number of potential different buyers. And uh, thankfully, Ron Robinson, who was then and is currently the president of Young America's Foundation, yeah, uh, had been a part of the Reagan administration. His wife had worked for eight years in it, the full eight years. Many others in the board were part of the Reagan team even before the 1980 election in 1976 and before that. And so they put together a deal to purchase the ranch and to preserve it as a historical site the beauty is, over time, it's been more, far more than just a historical site. They went on into the downtown, the uh, western end of downtown Santa Barbara, and built a Reagan Ranch Center where every year, multiple times a year, both high school and college students come to hear some of the greatest conservative speakers in the country. And then on at least one of those days of the conference, they journey way up the winding hill all the way to the top to Rancho de Solero, and they see the ranch. They experience the freedom I just talked about, but they also understand the frugality. The, the beauty is that the ranch has been preserved in the same state that it was left. Mrs. Reagan was so pleased that Yaff, which had been every one of the eight years President Reagan was in office, had been invited to be a part of ceremonies in their national conservative conference, student conference, at the White House itself. The, the president for years had been involved in it. You look at Yaff's founding back in 1960 in Sharon, Connecticut, at the home of William F. Buckley, where the, that's where the Sharon Statement comes from, talking about the protection of uh, individual liberties, of free enterprise, of strong national defense and traditional conservative values, the, the things that were important many decades ago that were important to Ronald Reagan as he was one of the earliest leaders in the board of directors of Yaff. And as he continued to support Yaff during his time as governor, as president, and the former president, Michael Reagan spoke to us uh, just yesterday and talked about the importance of uh, his father's uh, ideals, his beliefs, and the sense of freedom and frugality we see at the ranch and the, the, the really the opportunity for, for young people for generations to come. 
to access that, to, to have that inspiration, to, to be inspired uh, not just by the man, Ronald Reagan, uh, but by the vision that he had for the, for the kind of country and the kind of world uh, that he knew was based on freedom and opportunity for all. I'm going to talk a little bit more about not just the ranch itself, but, but the, the next step, because now more than ever, we need what President Reagan was talking about. We need what Young America's Foundation is all about. Hold on for a minute. We'll come right back after this break. Hi, Scott Walker, back on You Can't Recall Courage. Thanks for joining us on this podcast, and feel free to share it with others. So as I mentioned, we were spent this weekend at the uh, Reagan Ranch, uh, the ranch in the sky, uh, the ranch that President and Mrs. Reagan purchased during his uh, last uh, year or so as governor of the state of California. Uh, he had had ranches before. In fact, Michael Reagan was just telling me yesterday about how that was some of his most precious time was going with his dad to spend time at the ranch. It could be riding horses. Uh, it could be shooting. It could be doing any number of things, but that his father was the happiest when at the ranch. That's why it was so important in the end, after having served as governor and giving up the previous ranches he had, to actually spend time uh, time um, looking for a new ranch. In this case, one that was perfect for him because it, it's, again, about a 40-minute ride outside of Santa Barbara where the Reagan Ranch Center, the educational center, is at, uh, just on the west end of downtown, a couple blocks from the oceanfront. Beautiful location. But the ranch itself was pretty far up into the mountains. It was winding roads. It was, in fact, at the time Reagan was president, they actually had to put a helipad in. They had a, a spot for Marine One to be able to land when the president arrived and uh, departed, but they also had a backup helicopter. They had to have build some extra space for the Secret Service there. And on occasion, for example, in August of 1981, uh, President Reagan signed the Economic Recovery Tax Act of 1981, that uh, that, along with the tax cuts that followed 1986, brought about some of the most uh, longest or some of the longest periods of sustained economic growth in American history. And uh, in fact, I remember my kids, uh, one of my son's textbooks erroneously pointed out that those tax cuts brought about the deficits in the 1980s. Uh, They most certainly didn't. The facts clearly show that revenues went up. What brought about the deficits and still continue to today is, is spending above and beyond those revenues. Uh, in that case, back in the 1980s, spending by the, the House Democrats, the members of Congress. But but I think about the uh, the opportunity for young people to learn, and I, I think now more than ever, when you see all the ignorance, whether it be uh, um, traditional sense of ignorance or sadly willful ignorance in some cases with these statues coming down with the attacks against uh, our founders, whether it was George Washington or Thomas Jefferson or now even people like, who would have thought, uh, Abraham Lincoln or Ulysses S. Grant or others throughout our history who I think you can make a profound case uh, were were, uh, unbelievable leaders Um, to the pushback even on some of those uh, trying to get us to, to back away from Mount Rushmore, which wasn't even just about honoring the four presidents on, on the side of Mount Rushmore. I remember back in 2001, Toinette and I taking Matt and Alex there, and, and for them learning for the first time, it wasn't just about four great presidents, although you could make a pretty compelling argument they in their own right were pretty exceptional. 
but it was about four key times in our nation's history. Certainly George Washington leading the forces in the Revolutionary War, uh, which ultimately brought about our liberty uh, at the time as colonies from Great Britain. Uh, you think about Thomas Jefferson not only writing, uh, being the principal author of the Declaration of Independence, but during his time as president overseeing the Louisiana Purchase, another key development that broadly expanded the reach of these United States. Thinking about Lincoln uh, doing something remarkable, unheard of, even in modern times of holding together a nation uh, through a civil war, uh, and in doing so, taking one more step, yet another step in our nation's history towards fulfilling that American promise. You think back to, to Washington and, uh, and to Jefferson and others who are part of the founding, um, individuals who were part of the founders of this great country and those founding principles. Individuals without a doubt that were, were not free of their own, their own problems, their own challenges, but who had an idea, the American idea, that all people are created equal. We're endowed with certain inalienable rights. You know, like God gave us those rights, and therefore uh, we define them. Uh, we declared our liberty in the in the Declaration of Independence, and then defined uh, those freedoms, those rights uh, in the uh, in the U.S. Constitution. And and even though things were not constructed by perfect people, and even things weren't perfect at the time, they set the table. When you, you think about what Lincoln did with the Emancipation Proclamation, and then pushing forward the 13th Amendment and the 14th Amendment, and then years later, when you think about Ulysses S. Grant, Lincoln being the first Republican president, Grant being the first Republican president to serve all eight years, Grant not only was the general in charge of the forces that defeat the Confederacy, Grant actually in his first inaugural address called for the 15th Amendment, which gave uh, black Americans the ability to vote. Lincoln ended slavery, affirmed it in the Constitution, affirmed property rights, went a step further. Uh, all of these done by the way, if you know anything about history, with the support not only of Lincoln and, and Grant, but with Republican majorities and Democrats overwhelmingly opposed uh, to these uh, affirming these simple rights going forward, to even something that was done just over a decade ago, the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote. All these things came out of this original idea of the part of the founding of this country that all people are created equal, that, that we've certainly not been a perfect nation in that regard, but that we constantly grow and head in that direction. And it's why, if you look, so many people gravitate to the United States of America from all over the world. Every year, over a million legal immigrants come here. America has more foreign-born citizens than any other nation in the world. In fact, not even close. The next closest nation is about four times fewer uh, foreign-born citizens than we have here in the United States. Why? Because people want to come to America. And Ronald Reagan understood that. That's why he talked about this country being that, that great shining city on the hill. He had this great aspiration. He understood he understood why people wanted to come here, but he also knew how easy those freedoms would go away. Ronald Reagan correctly said that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. You don't, you see, you don't pass it on the bloodline. It, it's something you have to stand up and fight for and, and then pass on to the next generation to do the same thing. That was something he warned about several decades ago. We need to understand that now more than ever. We need to understand our nation's history. 
We need to understand that while we were we've been led by imperfect people, we've we've been we've constantly evolved and, and built on and grown off of a nearly perfect idea. The the best idea of, of any nation in in the world in terms of a founding principle. And it's something that Ronald Reagan knew. He understood the freedom of this great country. And again, when you go to the, the ranch house, you can see the frugality, not just in the bedroom, but of the appliances he got from his days working for GE that he still used in that kitchen to the, the tile that he laid down on the floor of the area that was once screened in that was made into expanded space to all the other things he did. He, even looking in there, I... I, I being there again today in the workhouse where he had his equipment, I immediately did a flashback to my grandfather, Ray Fitch, who was a farmer and who worked part-time on a, at a factory. And I thought of walking into his basement and just the smell of all the containers full of the screws and nuts and bolts and nails. Uh, seeing that again and picking up that smell brought me back in time. But, but thinking about those being people who were born and raised in the Midwest during the time of the Great Depression, that they were not going to let anything go to waste. The frugality of President Reagan, compounded by the sense of freedom that he saw on the ranch. I'm so honored to be a part of an organization called Young America's Foundation that has that went out in the late 1990s, not only bought and preserved this historic presidential site, but has made it come alive time and time and time again as students in college and now increasingly in high school get a chance to go to this conference to hear from speakers talking about the wonders of free enterprise, of the free practice of religion, of free speech and free media, people who talk about the importance of, of standing up for these values, traditional conservative values that Ronald Reagan talked about, individual liberties, uh, free enterprise, strong national defense, conservative values, uh, and, and how taking them at least one day out of that that conference up to the ranch to see for themselves the freedom and frugality of Ronald Reagan. Until next time, keep fighting for freedom. Thanks for joining us.